may be seated. Wow. If God is in it, there is no limit. It's not over. Wow, I, I, can, I can just think of the old persecuted saints that were singing that song. I think about old Paul as, as he was in that Roman prison and things didn't look good. But folks, if God is in it, there's no limit. It's not over. See, we can sing that song because of the resurrection. That Christ is coming again. Our Lord is going to come to make all things right. You can rest assured on that, folks. That's why Job, Job could even look forward to the cross. And even though his world had fallen apart, you know, he said, you know, naked I came from my, my mother's womb, the naked I shall return, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, God does not change because our circumstances change. He's still good and he's still going to do good. That's our hope that we have in Christ. And I just pray that no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what trial you may walk walking through, what matter of area of your life that you're going through, if God is in it, there is no limit. It's not over. You just hold on to the Lord and say, God, and, and pray that prayer that Isaac or that Jacob prayed. God, I'm not going to let go of you till you bless me. Yeah. Folks, that's a sweet prayer to the name of our Lord. I want to ask you to take your Bibles, if you would. I change, as a matter of fact, Lord, uh, there's no use to look on your bulletin or Daryl. There's no use to pull that up, okay? And, um, man, about 8.05 this morning, the Lord kind of directed me in my message. And so um, we'll just see where he, where he takes us with that this morning. But if you would, um, we're going to be looking at one of the famous 316s. We all know of John 316. Look at 1 John 316. We're going to be looking at that today. 1 John 316. I don't know, I just um, had a message prepared and um, just, just struggling as I was praying and preparing for that and just spent some time and just personal devotion and Bible study this morning and, um, and, and the Lord led me to this verse. As a matter of fact, a devotion that I read, the Lord just really just um, hit me with that and so again, I realize that God's up to something. I do know when, when the Lord moves you in, in a direction like that, that there's someone here today that, that this message is for you. It's, it's, it's for me also. But um, last week we began to look. We, we looked in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and we asked the question, why did Jesus have to die? We, we come next Sunday to the celebration uh, of, the, of the Resurrection Sunday. But before there was a resurrection, there had to be a death. And why would Jesus have to die? Why would God send his only begotten son to die? And that's an honest question that we need to ask. Because for some, that thinks, wow, that's just a tragedy. I mean, boy, Christianity is so fatal within, you know, that, that, that we are um, focusing on the death. But folks, the death of Jesus Christ was the most important event in the history of mankind. I mean, bar none. And we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves, why did it have to happen? Why did Christ die? Why did, would God send his son to die for you and me? Last week, we looked at that, the message in Isaiah where he is prophesying looking toward the cross where he said these, you know, that, words, that first of all, he died for our pains, that, that, that he, 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 he born, born our sorrows. He cured our sorrows. He suffered our pain. And then, then we found out that he, 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 he not only did he take our pain, but he also took our punishment. Our iniquities was laid upon him. And he took our place because that should have been our cross. 
And so we, we looked at how Christ himself, because of his love for us, he, he substituted himself for us, for you and me. We're going to look at that now on the other side of the cross as John is looking back, the beloved as a disciple. And um, as, as he looks back at the cross, I was, was going to look at something that Paul, and we're going to get into a little bit of that today, but well, there's just another simple message that I think is very needful for us is why did Christ have to die? He died that, that we might know the love of God, that we might really know the love of God. Let's all stand together as we read 1 John. That's found right near the end of your Bible. If you find Revelations and begin to turn back to the left a little bit, you'll find a little letter that was written by the Apostle John. And um, we want to look at, at just, just one verse there, and we'll, we'll use that to, to move into some other verses. But John is writing... And, and he writes in, in John the third, 1 John, the third chapter, verse 16, he says, Hereby I perceive we, or, or most of your translations, hereby we know. This is how we know, is what he's saying. This is how we know the love of God. And so he, he's saying, how can I really know that God loves me? I, I think that's a, a, a very honest question. We, we, we talk about this word love, but how can I really know that God loves me? Because, folks, that will make all the difference within our lives. How can I know that God loves me? And then he answers his own question when he says, because he laid down his life for us. He says, how can I know that God loves me? Because he laid down his life for me. And then he continues on, he says, and because of that, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How can I know that God loves me? Because he laid down his life for me. Let's pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you'd take these words and God, that you'd implant them within our hearts and our minds. And Holy Spirit, um, God, as we come, we need you. We need you to show yourself. And um, Lord, um, you know the situations we find ourselves in. You know our past. Um, Father, you, you know our present. You know where we are right now. You, you even know our future. But I pray that, that, Lord, that this morning, that God, that you'd open our eyes, that we can see you and your glory. And God, the great love that you have bestowed upon us. So God, do what you need to do right now. I pray for the children's church right now, Lord. Um, I know they, had, they were really going to be talking about what Christ accomplished for them today. And I pray that, God, that you would just open the eyes of those young, young children. And God, and that you would anoint those, those services, Lord. But God, bless our time together. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And amen. Why did Christ have to die? I think John, in, in a very simple way, but in a very profound way, says that one reason is that we might know that God loves us. And, and folks, when we get that settled within our mind, I can tell you, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of our situation, to know that God loves me, nothing else really matters anymore and i think we need to peel back as we look at this we look at this idea that that, that in the king james here we perceive um but it's it's, it's a word no and it's a very interesting word and 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 and, and in scripture in the greek um, ganesco and um especially john the apostle john when he uses this word no he uses it in, in a very experiential type of a matter. And, and, and there's another word that's, that's, that's translated many times within, 
within, within the language is called uh, uh, that, that, that more of an intuitive knowledge. I just know it because I know it. It's just, I know it, but, 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 but Gnosko, especially John, especially when he's dealing with the love of God and toward men and, and, and how men love one another, he, he uses this idea because it's an experiential, I know it because I've experienced it. I know it because of something that's happened. It's the same type of word that when a man knows his wife in an intimate way. That, that um, the same way here he said that you might know, that, that you may got, know God relationally, that you may know God intimately, that you may know because you've experienced it. And also that's very interesting within this particular passage that, that, that the apostle uh, John uses this word with a, with a tense that's called perfect tense. And that may not mean two diddles to you. Well, let me just explain to you, because I think it's very interesting. John uses this a whole lot. And in and, and, and the, and, and, and the Greek language, there's, there's something that speaks to something past tense. That's, there. So that's just something that happened. I can speak of something that's happened in the past. Then it's just a fact that, that, you know, that yesterday I hit the ball. Well, it's just a fact. It's something that happened. But in the perfect tense, it, 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 it expands upon that. It's something that's happened, but because something has happened, nothing will ever be the same again. And because this is a perfect chance, uh, 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 tense, because what, what John is saying, because you know Christ loves you, because you know that God loves you, nothing's going to, because this is something I can look back that I know that's happened, but folks, it changes everything. And that's what God does within our lives. That he comes to bring change. He comes to bring change with not only within our lives, within our hearts. As he, he changes our position from being in the world to in Christ. He changes our condition from being lost to saved. But He changes our mindset. And He changes the doubt and He gives us hope. The hope that we just had an opportunity to sing about. That when I know that God loves me, regardless of what the circumstances may befall me, I can say like Job, I don't know what God's up to. I don't even like what God's up to. But you know what? I know God's loved me, and it does not change His character because I know that God loves me in a perfect love, that He's going to do what's right in my life. You know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord because I have a perfect God who loves me in a perfect way. And folks, I can take that to the bank. I can hold on to that when all the world around me is falling down. I can grab hold of the love of God and know that God loves me. And so as we think about this today, how can I come to such an knowledge? How can I have that, that, that assurance that, that I'm speaking about where, where Job can say, you know what, I've lost everything. I've lost, I've, I've lost my, my, my fortune. I've lost my family. I've lost everything. But I know God loves me. And he may take it all away. But I'm still going to bless his name because that does not change the fact that he loves me. How can you get to that point within your life? How can you grab hold of that type of assurance? And John answers that question. By looking to the cross and knowing that God laid down his life for me. Folks, that's a pretty big deal. You know, every time we see the image of the cross as, as, as painful as it may be, that just drips the love of God. 
And that's what I want us to stop and I want us to look at today. I want to look at, first of all, the breadth of God's love. It was this same John that, 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 that spoke and, um, and, and recorded the words of Jesus Christ in that other great 316, John 316. And just think about the love of God when, when John says these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so when we begin to look at the love of God in and, and, and John 316, that, that he, he tells us the breath of God's love, for God so loved the world. And what, what John is trying to do is just get in the minds of people that there's, there's none of us that was left out. That the breath of God's love deals with, it, it, it crosses over all racial barriers. This was a big deal, especially to John, as Jesus Christ was speaking to the Jews, because in some way they had fashioned within their mind that, that God can only love a person like me. That I'm part of the Jewish race and God, God loves me. But, but, but God so loved the world, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter whether you're white or black. It doesn't matter um, what side of the tracks you grew up on. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female. God loves you. And everyone can say that, for God so loves the world. If I've heard another say before, I can put my name in there, and you can put your name in there, but, and personalize that particular text. For God so loved Alda that he gave his only begotten son. Chris, you can put your name in that. For God so loved Chris that he gave his only begotten son. It doesn't matter who we are. That, that we will not harm that text by putting our name in there. For God so loved me. That's good news, folks. It, it doesn't matter from a, from, again, there, there, there's no partiality within, within God's love, but you know, there's no conditions within God's love either. Because when he says, for God so loved the world, he was speaking to people who thought they were very righteous, to churchgoers, but he was speaking to people that were not very righteous either. He loves us all. You know, sometimes because we, we allow the world to, to determine or, or, or set within our mind who we are, that, that we think that we, we can't stand up against the rest of the world. Folks, it doesn't matter. God loves you. It doesn't matter if you were raised up in a Christian home. I, I was raised up in a, in a home that, that my earliest memories was going to church. I mean, I had my diapers changed in church. And, and, um, and that was just a rule in my house. You you, you went to church, and I thank God for a mom and dad that, 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 that poured life into me, but, but uh, the, the, the love of Christ into me. But, but, you know, I know that a lot of you didn't have that experience. That the only time that you heard the name of Jesus was in a very derogatory sense. And... There's a, a lot of you that, that, that couldn't understand the love of the Father because, because of, of the situation of, of, of maybe you had an absent father. But folks, God still loves you. You know, maybe you chose to live a rebellious life. Maybe you chose, and you've made some bad decisions in your life. That is not lessen God's love for you. 
You know, maybe you have swam within the, the ocean of self-guilt. How can God love somebody like me? You need to get out of that ocean today, folks. God loves you. He loves you. And that's why when John is saying, for God so loved the world, he was just trying to make us understand the breadth of God's love. It's not based upon an impartiality anyway. It doesn't matter who you are or what background you come from. It doesn't even matter what you've done. He loves you unconditionally. There's nothing that's ever going to make God love you any more. There's nothing you can ever do to make God love you any less. That's a pretty amazing thought because God's love is perfect. And I want you to stay right where you are right now. I want, you to make, I want you to personalize this. And I want you to say, and say it not only to yourself, but, but, but say it with assurance. Some of you need to say this. Some of this, you need to hear this today. And I want you to say this. I want you to say this to yourself right now. Every one of us, God loves me. God loves me. And I want you to believe that. No matter where you've been in your life, No matter how much you've struggled, no matter what someone else has told you, God loves you. And you hold on to that. You are loved by God. You just grab hold of that. That's a pretty amazing thing. We could stop right there and, and as we speak about the breath of God's love, but herein that we know the love of God that he laid down his life for us. I think it's very in, uh, interesting, too, that this love of God is very intentional. He did it on purpose, folks. It's not something that, that he was made to do. It was not something that was forced upon him. God voluntarily laid down his life. That was part of his purpose. That was part of his plan. Jesus made that very clear to, to, to his apostles as he was looking toward the cross when he said in John 10, 17 and 18, he says, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me. He says, man, folks, man did not kill Jesus Christ. He gave it of himself. As a matter of fact, no man can take Jesus Christ. Jesus was perfect. He didn't deserve that. No man could kill Jesus. He gave his life up voluntarily. And, and, and it was an intentional act. But I, I want you to, let's look at, we looked at the breadth of God's love that we could all say that God loved me, but let's look at the depth of it now. Let's just see how deep the, love, the Father's love flows. Again, when, when we speak of the word love so many times, it's so it's very shallow. And we put so much limits on it, but folks, God's love runs deep. As a matter of fact, this is deeper than we could ever imagine. And when we begin to, to break down that passage, when we begin to read that, herein shall you know that the Father loves you, or that, that God loves you, he says, that he laid down his life for you. What does that mean? That he laid down his life for me. That as we begin to, to break that down and begin to understand that, we begin to understand just how deep the Father's love here. That, that we, we had studied last week that he had died in our place. 
that it should have been us on the cross, that he took our iniquities upon himself, that he was our substitute. Jesus Christ said this, 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 this in, in John 15, 13, the greater love hath no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, and he says, you are my friends indeed. But why did it have to happen? You see, the cross settles a great divine dilemma. And you need to understand this as we approach Good Friday and we approach Easter Sunday, and that, that we have to understand that the cross, not only it displays the love of God, but it also, it also settles a great divine dilemma that, that you, you, you need to grab a hold of. You see, there's a great tension between a holy God. See, God is holy. He's perfect. We're going to look at that, but also the love of God. And, and, and when, you, when we think of God and all of His holiness and all of His perfection, and then we think about the love of God, that folks, they just don't automatically come and mesh together. And let me explain that to you. But for you to really understand the love of God for you and me, you need to understand the character of God. You see, the Bible tells us that there's one overriding characteristic of God within Scripture. It's God's holiness. As a matter of fact, the only time in Scripture that, that one of God's characteristics is mentioned in a perfect um, Trinity, where, where it's spoken three times in a row, and we find that in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, as well as Revelation, I believe the fourth chapter, where, where the angels of the Lord are singing, holy, holy, holy. That's the only time that any of God's characteristics is mentioned like that, that, that shows the perfection of God's holiness. That God is holy above all things. As a matter of fact, everything else flows from God's holiness. And, and folks, this is important to you and me. We wouldn't want to serve a God who is not holy. Because God being holy, that, that, that defines not only that His transcendence, that He's separated, that he's, he's far above all of us, but He's also perfect in His character. He's perfect in His morality. And so therefore, God can never act outside of His holiness. Now just stop for a moment and think that we serve an unholy God. Just that we could serve a God that got ticked off just like that. He'd wipe us all out. You know, that God would just act because, of, you know, he, he, he acted out of a selfish reason one day. We would not want to serve a God like that. As a matter of fact, that's the God that most people served apart from the Jehovah God. That they lived in this fear that, that God may go crazy on them one day and, and what's going to happen. We don't serve a God like that. We serve a God who is holy. And he's perfect. But there's something that when we understand that God's wrath, that God is holy, and, and that's the standard that he sets. Aren't you, see, God is our standard. I'm so glad that, that, that you know, I'm so glad Sister Alda's not my standard. I couldn't pray like Sister Alda or love on people like Sister Alda. You know, that's the problem. We compare ourselves with other people. But let me tell you, They've got roaches in their closets also. Yeah, they got dirty drawers in their baskets, I can tell you. There's none of us that's perfect out there. And so we don't need to compare each other with one another. We serve a holy God. 
And he's the one that sets the standard. He's the one that we'll be judged by. But to understand God's holiness, we must understand something that's a natural response of that holiness, and that's God's wrath. You see, we don't like to talk about God's wrath too much. As a matter of fact, you don't hear it preached about a lot too much because, well, it may scare people. Folks, we need to be scared to death. And let me explain to you about God's wrath. See, God's wrath is just a natural response of His holiness. It's because God is holy and perfect that He must eliminate anything around Him that's not holy or perfect. I think it's very interesting that when God created our bodies that He developed an immune system within our bodies and within that immune system He's put antibodies. And folks, we're here today because because when God created us, when, when there's some type of infection that comes within our life, immediately our immune system kicks in. And the antibodies begin to attack that which is unhealthy within our lives. And, 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 and that's why we can live within health. And, and so when our, that's the problem when a person's immune system goes wrong. Soon they will die of something, of a pneumonia or something, because they do not have that mechanism within their body more fighting off that which is unhealthy. You see, God's immune system is his wrath. Is that when, when something unhealthy as unholy comes in God, it's, it's, it's wrath that is sent out to destroy that which is unhealthy. And so wrath is just a, it's not, wrath is not because there's an angry God out there, it's just a natural response of His holiness so that He can, he can keep intact His holiness. And so everything that is unhealthy, which we call sin, God's wrath is a little, uh, uh, automatically just holy. Let me just explain something else. <coughs> explain it in this way. I mentioned everybody has roaches in their closet. Most of us have roaches in our kitchen also. We just don't see them. But, you know, this one suit she'll get, she'll bleach everything down. And it's always amazing to me that, you know, when I, I want to do something every now and then. I don't do it often, you know. But, you know, I'm getting there and I want to clean up the kitchen and do everything with this one suit. And, and I'll get there and clean up the kitchen. And she'll come home and I'll be so proud. I just thought she'd just grab me and love on me. And then she'll start cleaning right behind me. See, our men know what that's talking about because for some reason men just can't cling like women. But we'll let her clean her kitchen and you let an old roach run across. And why is it always the man's responsibility to kill the roach? I'm thinking, want to see that same fly swat that, that you want me to grab is right there on top of the refrigerator. You kill him yourself. Get the roach. Get the roach. I mean, because what? You can see her wrath rise up. I mean, when, when that roach runs across our kitchen, that roach is already, he's committed suicide. He has written his death notice because Miss Wanderson's wrath is going to, you know, now she, she has me to bring, uh, bring it out, but she wants that roach out of there. And then, you know, I've, I've got to go down to Ace Hardware, and, and boy, I, I, have, you sprayed the, have you sprayed the kitchen? Have you sprayed the kitchen? Have you sprayed the kitchen? But see, that's a natural response of Miss Wanda Sue that when she sees something that's unhealthy within her kitchen, boy, she wants something done about it. She, you know, she doesn't want you to just shoo it away where you can't see it anymore. She wants it gone. I'm telling you that because that's the idea of God's wrath. See, God's holy. He's perfect in any way. When that which is unholy comes in His presence, it has to be dealt with. It has to be removed. Otherwise, it affects His holiness. So therefore, the Bible teaches us the, the problem with that is God is holy, but 
And so the character of God is, 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 is holiness and wrath is a natural response. But there's a great big problem because the Bible tells us that we all have sinned and we've fallen short of what? The glory of God. And I believe he's the idea of the holiness of God. See, sin within the Bible is described in, 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 in I th- uh, they gave us a lot of word pictures of, of what sin is. Sin can be in three, you know, it can be a direct rebellion where, you know, I know that the Bible says to, to honor your parents, but I don't honor them. I know that, but it doesn't bother me. Or thou shalt not commit adultery, but it doesn't matter to me. I, I let my eyes wander. You know, God, I know that's right, but I, I just choose to rebel against what God knows. And folks, that's sin, and, and, and we, we've all dealt with that in our life. We've all sin, lived in an act of rebellion. But also, there's, there's, a, there's an idea of, of just a crookedness. Because we are sinned and because we're all fallen, there's a crookedness. And because of the crookedness, it's just like if you ever had a, if you ever worked with nuts and screws and you get the threads all messed up on one of the screws, there's no way you're going to put that screw in that nut because it's messed it up and see we're all messed up we've all fallen and because of 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 being crooked or or or, you know our our threads mixed up we we just can't ever accomplish what god wants us to because because of just who we are we're we're all sinners there's another picture word picture is this, this, this this means simply to miss the mark that, that none of us, because we're kind of messed up, that our error is not straight, and so no matter how hard we, we, we're never going to hit, we're always going to fall short of that mark. And so what I'm saying, you see, it can be intentional, or, I mean, be intentional or it can be non-intentional. It can be because it's an act of our will or just because it's an act of our character. We just can't do it. But the Bible says one thing, and I think we can all agree upon, for all have sinned. Which one of us in this place would say, I've, I've never sinned. A child to tell you that. That's what's so sweet about a child. When you, when you, when you talk to a child and ask them and, and, and explain sin to them, they, they'll, they'll be real honest with you. you have you ever sinned? They, they'll, they'll tell you, yeah, I've sinned. And if you really want to get meddling, you can ask, has your daddy ever sinned? And they'll, they'll tell you that too, you know. <coughs> <coughs> But see, there's a problem. If God is holy and it's a natural response of his holiness to pour his wrath on anything that's sin, and the Bible says we're all sinners, what do we do with that? Because what that means is every one of us deserves God's wrath. Every one of us. <coughs> For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, that's where the tension of God's holiness but God loves us. How are those going to come together? How's that going to come together? Because God has, because of his character, because of who he is, he has to pour out wrath on that which is unholy. And even though God loves us, we're unholy so his, that we're all deserving of his wrath. And you might say, well, he just wouldn't have to pour it out. That No, God, because God's holy, he's also just. That means he's always fair. He's, he always has to do the right thing. Now, would it be love? Let me just, Sam, let me just ask you. Say someone offended you really bad. Say someone hurt one of your boys really, really bad and just done some despicable things to them. 
and you went to the court and you, you stood before the judge and the judge went through the process and, you know, the person admitted, yeah, I did all these things. He, you know, he said, oh, judge, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll never do it again. And the judge just pats him on the back and says, that's okay. You're free to go. Would that be fair? No. See, God's just. And because his wrath, he, his, his, his wrath is a natural response, it would not be fair just because a person say, well, I'm sorry, you know, because there's other parties involved. And that's one thing that's cool about God, because he is, because he is holy, he's just, and that means he'll always do the right thing for every one of us because he's not partial. And so that's one of the great hopes that I have as a believer because there's a just God. And I don't have to hold on to unforgiveness to someone else because one day, Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, one day God's going to make everything right. That God's going to judge everyone perfectly. And so I don't need to be the judge because God's, God's going to do that right. I can leave that in the hands of God. But see, there's still, there's still this great tension between God's holiness and God's love, but God so loved the world. How, how, could, how could these, these two great truths meet? Folks, they met at the cross. They met at the cross. You see, in all other religions, in all other religions, it's always man's responsibility to appease the wrath of the God, and so therefore they bring offerings to him. And so, and sometimes our offerings is trying to do good works or, or trying to monetarily satisfy an angry God and, 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 and doing all this system of stuff. Christianity is the only religion where, where it was not man's responsibility to appease God. God took the responsibility upon himself. He appeased his own wrath as a gift that he gave to you and me. Not that man gave God a gift to appease God, but God gave us a gift to, to appease himself. And the only way that he could do that is the only, only way he could do that is take something that was undeserving of death, that was undeserving of, of wrath, and, 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 and pay the price. And he did that through the person of Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus Christ was not born of sinful man. He was born of a virgin. He was born of the seed of God. Only sinful man was born into righteousness, or Jesus Christ was born into righteousness. Only Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. Only Jesus Christ um, did not, was not deserving of death. Only Jesus Christ, man couldn't kill Jesus because he, he, death was not a part of him. But God gave his only begotten son that he laid his own life down in the person of Jesus Christ to appease the wrath of God for you and me. Jesus Christ voluntarily laid his life down. He, he, he accepted upon himself the cross of Christ that should have been our cross. And then he accepted the wrath of God that was our wrath upon himself. So Paul says that God could still be just, but he's also the justifier. Folks, that's, that's a big, that is, God is just. He, he never wavered off of his holiness. He never wavered off of his, his justice. And, and, and because, because his wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ on our behalf. And so it's only through Jesus Christ that we can find the freedom from the wrath of God. Folks, that's the depth of the love of God.
that God loved you so much. God loved you so much, He let His Son, Jesus Christ, pay your wrath and my wrath upon the cross. You see, the thing about Jesus, He was perfect in His holiness, but He was also infinite within His being. And so, He took the full measure because he was infinite. He took the full measure of God's wrath upon himself. That had my name and your name on it. That's the depth of God's love. When I begin to realize what Jesus Christ did for me, that he laid his life down on my behalf, and he took all of my sin and all of my shame, and all of God's wrath that was, should have been poured out on me. And he took upon himself. I, I guess that's one of, my, well, one of my favorite verses. It's Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ did, died for us. You see, Jesus didn't lay his life down after we cleaned ourselves up. He laid his life down while we were yet sinners. While we still didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, he still died for us. Isn't that good? You see, the justice of the law was carried out in the person of Jesus Christ. God's wrath was delivered, but it was delivered upon Jesus Christ. For anyone who would believe. If you have your Bibles, and, and I'll, I'll kind of close with this. Paul really expresses this in Romans, the third chapter. And if you'd flip back, and this was the text we were going to look at. And, but Romans, the third chapter, and then I want, to, I want to have your finger there. Hold your finger there, and we're going to move to something else. But look what, what Paul writes in, in Romans, the third chapter. In verse 20, he, he says these words. He says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. What he's saying, because we've all sinners, because we've all sinned, none of us will ever be made right because we're keeping the law. So we're all in a fix, folks, because we're all sinners. But then he says in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law. And the Spirit he says, but now I want to show you how you can be made righteous apart from the law. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's a fact. But then he says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Folks, we've been redeemed. We sang that song that, that we should shout because it's the song of the redeemed. That we've all been redeemed. That Jesus Christ paid our price. He paid our price. He redeemed us. And he says, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation. Well, that's a $50 word. Some of your, your Bibles may say the sin atonement. What that means is he satisfied the wrath of God. That he was, the, he was God's, God's satisfaction. He was the one that was the sacrifice. Through faith in his blood to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. 
to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, speaking of God, that he might be just, that he might always still be holy and do the right thing, but also the justifier, that he's the one that has declared us righteous. He, the word justifies a, 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 a little way, just like I've never seen. He's declared me righteous through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. Folks, that's how much God loves you. And then I'm going to close with this. If you, if you turn a couple of more pages to Romans, the 8th chapter, if, it says, why did Christ die? He came to that he died that, to declare God's love for you and me. Can anything ever separate from me from that love? Look what he says in verse 31 of Romans, the 8th chapter. Boy, there's some powerful verses here. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who's God? The one that laid down his life for us? If God be for us, the one that laid down his life for us, the one that, that, that took his wrath upon himself, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely all give us all things? He's saying, if God loved you so much that he gave his own son, how can he hold anything else back from you? And then, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can anything separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? It is written, for, by thy, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yeah, there may be some tribulation. But he says, nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Then he says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, you can take it to the bank. God loves you. And he demonstrated that love towards you. He sent Jesus to pay your wrath for you. So you can know without a shadow of a doubt that, that you can know in a way that's going to change your life that God loves me. And you need to hold on to that. God loves you. And today as we close, I, I, want, to just say, I want to shout that again. God loves you. And it's the cross that reveals his love. He poured out his wrath on his own son that was for you and me. What greater love is that than a man lay down his life for his friends? And so today, I'm going to ask you, have you ever experienced that love? Do you really know that love in an experiential way? Have you ever embraced that for yourself? Folks, it's different than head knowledge and heart knowledge. And if you've never experienced that love today, I'm going to ask you to call out to Jesus. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and that's just that heartfelt call that lord i need you i invite you if you want to talk to someone about about your salvation i want to ask you to come today and say pastor i need to talk with someone i want to know this love of god i want someone to, to show me i invite you to come christ was not ashamed of you don't you be ashamed of him or also, if you're here today and maybe you're, you're going through some stuff and you know that you're a Christian, but I can, I can tell you what will happen is the devil will play tricks in your mind because you'll have tricks in your mind thinking, if God really loves me, how can he allow me to go through something like this? Have you ever thought that before?
I have. But you know what you, what you, what you need to do? You need to run back to the cross. Because, because you need to run back to the place that proves God's love for you. And you need to run back to the cross. And he will erase that for you. God, I don't understand what I'm going through. But if you sent your son to die for me, I know you love me. And be gone, lies of the devil. You may need to come to the altar today. And you may need to just get on your knees. And you need to praise God for the love that he's poured out for you. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to your life? I'm going to ask our, 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 our team to come at this time. And as they come, I just call on you to response to today. Is, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? God loves you. And he revealed that through the death of his own son. And I'm going to pray and, and then we're going to stand and we're going to just let God work in your life as you'd like. Father, we love you, Lord. And God, we thank you for the love of the Father. We thank you for the cross. God, the great testament of your love to us. Bless this time, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.